I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Excited to be here. Uh, I'm so grateful. We are new friends, but very quickly old buddies. Yes. <laughs> and I have now watched some of your YouTube videos, which are awesome. Mm. Super entertaining. Really informative. You definitely do your homework. Thank you. A lot of things on biohacking and sleep. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Sleep is the most important thing. Why do you think it's so important? Um, you know, something my mentor said, um, Sam Ovens, a long time ago, he said something really um, just kind of profound and simple at the same time, which was if you can't go to sleep and wake up at the same time every night, how could you ever expect to do anything great in this world? Powerful. And, yeah. And, and, and it really struck me because we're in a room, in a mastermind, and people pay $36,000 to be in, and he spent an entire half day talking about sleep and routines and really basic fundamental things to just operating as a human. And so um, at the time I was like kind of struggling with my energy and had some ongoing like health stuff. And I was trying all different types of stuff to try to heal and get better. And I just realized, hey, there's a lot of truth to what this guy is saying. Let me look into this. And that's kind of how I landed on sleep being the foundation by which everything is built because um, once your sleep goes, then everything else really starts to follow. Um, and when the sleep, when you get the sleep right, then you know you can really build a lot on top of that. What does sleep deprived look like? Um, sleep deprived, I think <laughs> it's an interesting question. I've never been asked that question, but I, I think sleep deprived. Most people are sleep deprived, meaning they're not waking or they're not sleeping consistently throughout the night. Yeah. So if you can't sleep throughout the night, then you're sleep deprived, in my opinion, and you're not really getting high quality sleep. Um, if we take that further, when you have problems falling asleep and you have a weird relationship with sleep and you're not getting more than six hours, then you're, you're really looking at serious problems. Like what? Oh, man. The first thing that comes to mind is just blood sugar instability. Interesting. Yeah, and, and lack of resilience, so immune system issues and just not inability to recover and to deal with like what life throws at you. I thought cranky. That was the first thing I thought. Yeah, well, people, <laughs> people get cranky because of their blood sugar. I am a raging bitch without sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get really irritable. You get really like sort of easily agitated. And is that resilience though? You're not resilient to what's happening. Right. Like, so you can't handle it and you're just like, and then you freak out and your emotions go all over the place. So mood dysregulation is a big thing. Blood sugar dysregulation is a big thing. And then just overall, just ability to cope with life kind of just diminishes completely. Wow. Yeah. Kind of important. Kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of like, speak to the CEO, like decision making must go down. I mean, yeah, tenfold, right? Like, that, there's a reason why the best athletes in the world and the best entrepreneurs in the world, they all, all prioritize their sleep and take it very, very seriously. Jeff Bezos says that he doesn't make any decisions unless he's had at least eight to nine hours of sleep. And he wakes up at around like, I think like nine o'clock or eight o'clock. And then he like, he says he just kind of putzes around in the beginning hours of the day to allow his mind to come online and he, he says, if I can make one to two, maybe three good decisions that day, then that's a good day, you wow. know? And, and like top athletes, like 
LeBron James spends like $1.5 million, I think, on on his recovery and his sleep and, um, you know, all the biohacking stuff. And Roger Federer, the best tennis player in the world, says if I don't sleep more than 10 hours a day, then something's wrong. You know, so when we're talking about from a performance perspective, these people are the highest level people in the world, in their craft, in their field, in their career. They know what works. And so we don't need to like reinvent the wheel and try to get fancy with it. We just know that, okay, sleep is obviously very tied to performance, you know, brain function, like ability to focus, ability to concentrate and just have good emotions and feel happy, feel like at peace. Like all of this is, is wrapped up in the byproduct of getting good sleep. And then so many other good things can happen as um, a downstream effect, meaning like you can train harder, you can um, work longer, you can just have good hormones, you know, good blood sugar, all the things that I mentioned earlier. So it's really like the one thing, I think. If you do this one thing, it makes everything else easier or unnecessary. It's a perfect title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I interviewed Dr. Rudy Tanzi once. He's a Harvard professor and he talks about the brain actually squeezes out the toxicity overnight. Yeah. Like you see the brain actually smooshing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so it's really important to detoxify the brain overnight and then you have much more uh, rapid and uh, sharp cognition. Yeah, well, there's a system in your brain called the lymphatic system, which is like the lymphatic system just up here. Mm. And when you optimize your sleep like the right way, the lymphatic system can properly clear out all those toxins and then you'll feel like a whole new person when you wake up. Yeah, super important. Also probably averts uh, Alzheimer's and some of the dementia yeah, neurodegenerative neuro diseases, yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really important. Okay, let's jump in then. Um, I know people always want to go right to the, what do you do right before bed, but you like to start in the morning. Yes. Love that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I have a, a video ad that I was actually just looking at today that I haven't released yet, but it's basically okay. saying like, yeah, it's basically saying that um, the reason why you might be having sleep problems actually has nothing to do with your sleep routine, has everything to do with your morning routine, right? So I'm big on circadian rhythm and the first sort of uh, zeitgeber of circadian rhythm is light exposure. So first thing in the morning, go outside, go for a walk, get some sun exposure to the eyes and to the skin. That's going to trigger the healthy release of cortisol in the morning, which is going to help the proper production of melatonin later on in the evening. Uh, when it's time to get ready for bed. In addition to that, the movement from the walk is also going to be in training your circadian rhythm, right? So the three pillars are light exposure, movement, and feed fast window or meal timing. So when you really optimize your life around doing that first thing in the morning, then you're kind of setting yourself up for success for the rest of the day and then for the evening later on down the road. So I can get away with a lot more looseness in my evenings because of all the things I do throughout the day. Love that. Okay. I know you like to start with a big glass of water. Yes. Right? Yes. So I drink, first I drink a hot cup of water. Interesting. That, Why hot? Um, it's kind of like an Ayurvedic thing and, okay. and like a Chinese like medicine thing, like Eastern thing where um, hot water will stimulate the digestive system and wake it up a little bit. So okay. it's good for having that bowel movement first thing in the morning. Nice. And then I will drink 32 ounces of warm water, not cool water, not hot water, but just to get enough to lubricate the digestive system. And then I put 
um, LMNT salts in that. So I get, I'm getting electrolytes and minerals because I tend to eat a little bit on a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, unless I'm trained, depending on how I'm training, I call it conscious carbohydrates. So the more I train, the more carbs I eat. Um, and the harder I'm training, the more carbs I eat. But oftentimes what I learned the hard way is that when you go lower carbohydrate, then you might be dealing with some mineral deficiencies and electrolyte deficiencies. So, um, I make sure to get lots of salt in my diet. Interesting. Yeah. Good. Okay. And then the movement, the movement can be any kind of movement. I understand like stretching, yoga, Uh burpees, walk, just moving your body. I didn't do it this morning and I felt the difference. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. I prefer walks because walks will, um, help with motility. Okay. Right. Going for a walk in the morning will help with motility. And then also stimulate a chemical called ghrelin and ghrelin helps get you ready for your first meal of the day. So, um, big fan of walking. Yeah, and, and in nature. Yeah, right? so also something that will generate something called optic flow. So go. when um, you see images pass by your eyes, that's optic flow. And what that does is it downregulates a part of your brain called the amygdala. And that is the part of your brain that is partly associated with fear and anxiety. And so when you do this, it will lower your stress, lower your anxiety. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know, bike riding does the same thing too. Anything where you're generating forward movement. Yeah. I would personally combine that. So I work with, with my clients with a clicker. Uh-huh. So I would, I would send them out with a clicker for their morning walk and do affirmations. I love that. Yeah. So I listen to a custom hypnosis track that Ooh. I created for myself. So Ooh. yeah. I you lo- created? Yeah. So I look at all my beliefs, right? And I look at like where I'm trying to go and I see how like, okay, maybe these beliefs are kind of holding me back or which ones are holding me back. Then I'll write out the new beliefs that are required for this new identity that that is going to create these results that I'm desiring, right? Because I believe change always starts on the identity level, and then you move to the beliefs level, and then you move to the action level, and then that action creates feedback, and then that reinforces the identity. So if if I want to change something, if I want to get something, if I want to be something, then I have to start with the identity. And the identity is built up of a bunch of beliefs, right? So if I can get clear on what are the beliefs that the new identity has, then I'll write those down on a list. I'll read them to myself, record it, put it onto a track with music, and then I listen to that every morning on my morning walk. And so I'm just reprogramming my mind and affirming myself into this new identity. And it's crazy because every time I do one of these tracks, like it doesn't happen immediately, but it probably happens six months, maybe a year, maybe in two years down the road, all this stuff starts coming true. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't even realize it was happening. It was kind of happening in the background. And so a lot of the people that I look up to, a lot of my mentors, they, ha- they were doing, they're doing these things as well. And I noticed that this was like one through line that they all kind of had. And so I adopted that um, a couple of years ago and it's been pretty powerful. I love it. Yeah. Do you have any recollection of one or two sentences that you could share? Yeah, sure. Like um, one belief. So I, I also worked with someone on my unconscious for the last year. Nice. Um, and one of the things I identified, it was this weird belief that, that if it's easy, it's unethical. And so I would create situations for myself that were really hard. And, um, and then I could feel worthy of what I was trying to achieve or what I was trying to create. And so I spent a lot of time reworking that, rewiring it, replacing that with something like, if it's easy, it is ethical, right? The most eth- ethical things are easy. And so that creates a situation in my life where I can actually have things be a little bit easier, mm-hmm. you know, instead of everything having to feel hard. Love that. 
Yeah, is that ingrained as a kid? Just uh, it, it must be tied to money, right? Making money is difficult. It doesn't yeah. grow on trees. Yeah, yeah, and hard work is very much um, praised yeah. in Western culture, right? And I, I better a better thing than hard work. Like hard work is not. This is this is a belief in my track that I put. Hard work is not admirable. More efficient technology is admirable. So mm -hmm. things that create better results faster is more admirable than things that are really hard to create. Makes sense. Yeah. Why not? So now I'm attaching like the admiration and the respect and the and the glorification to things that work really well and work really fast. And Love it. Instead of things that just take a lot of effort. Yeah. Brute force. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Great addition. Okay. Let's continue with the sleep then. Sure. So we've let's review. We we move our bodies. We drink our big glass of water. Yeah. We move our bodies, and then we would see the sunlight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then once I do that, so meal timing is the next thing. Okay. Right. So I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the same time. I personally eat in the morning because I fast through the night, which we can also talk about. But um, so I eat at nine o'clock. I eat it around noon, and I eat around ideally five five thirty. Sometimes I don't make it there. Sometimes it's like seven. You know, at the very latest, 7.30. Um, but I feel that if I can be within that window, then I'm, I'm usually doing pretty well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that dinner uh, when we get there. Sure. Because that makes a massive difference in my blood sugars. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay, so breakfast at 9 a.m. Whether you're hungry or not, you're eating? Yeah, pretty much. Interesting. Yeah. And that's just to set the circadian rhythm. Yeah. The body loves to be in a routine. It loves to have a rhythm. It loves to be in this groove. And so the more that you can program it with these zeitgeivers, the more um, it understands the information that you're giving it. That's been my experience. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. So keep going. And then um, I'll get, right now my, my uh, rhythm is I'll, I'll get into work. I'll do 90 minutes of work after breakfast um, because this is something that I learned recently too shout out to Andrew Huberman, who taught me this, um, is that your temperature minimum is two hours before you wake up, okay? So that's the time in which your body temperature is going to be lowest. Four to six hours after your temperature minimum is going to be the time when you're most focused, most productive, right? So that's when I want to do my most focused deep work. So I'll do a 90-minute work block of completely undistracted work. And then after that, time to go to the gym. So I will, I do strength training three to four times a week and then some type of cardio or endurance type thing, swimming, bike riding, long walks, um, and then also something called dojo, which is something that uh, my friend Skip Kelly created. It's kind of like a mind-body mind -body connection thing. Um, and uh, I do a lot of saunas too, especially on the off days. So I'll do longer saunas on the off days. Um, the reason why I like saunas is because it, it's kind of like a workout and you get a really good sweat, good detoxification, but then also there's a really powerful study, like Finnish study that they did where people who are doing five times sauna 20 to 30 minutes a day every week, if you follow that, if you're tracking with me, five times a week, 20 to 30 minutes a day, um, had a, like a crazy, I think it was like, can't quote me on these numbers exactly, but let's just say it was a substantial amount of decrease in all-cause mortality. So like 50, 60, 70%, I want to say, somewhere in that ballpark, decrease in um, 
all-cause based mortality. That makes perfect sense. I mean, according to my PhD in holistic health, the, the main causes of uh, of most like eighty-five percent of the diseases out there is to high levels of toxicity. Yeah, and we're being bombarded. Yeah, like I mean, the EPA has approved eighty thousand chemicals in the, since the seventies. Yeah, uh, most of them in our common house day, household products. Totally. Yeah. And, and worse, we're spraying them on our body or yeah. using them as deodorant. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, exactly the area of your body that's supposed to excrete the toxins we're clogging it up with chemicals yeah. and blocking that process yeah it's fascinating what we're bombarding yeah yeah so i mean i just i notice i pay really close attention to just how i feel mm. and when i do saunas i just generally feel way better good all the time yeah 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 you're supporting the detoxification yeah, yeah makes sense you like also the ice baths so. i do i have i have um some nuanced opinions on ice ooh, ice baths. Ooh, so juicy, go. So I used to be super, <laughs> super into cold plunging. Uh-huh. I have the like some of the biggest videos on YouTube about cold plunging, and I've sold a lot of cold plunges, and I love cold plunging. And like, what I discovered is that um, it's a big stressor, and it can be really hard on the adrenals. And um, if you have thyroid issues, then you're messing with temperature regulation a lot, and so there might be some things to look look out for there. Um, and I think it's just really important that you know people gain greater agency over how they feel and what's appropriate for them. Um, because there might be certain seasons and times in your life where you could do a cold plunge three or four times a week and it would totally make sense. But how much stress is happening in the other parts of your life? And can you really handle another stressor like that? Are you having, you know, do you have toxicity? Are you ha- like really having internal stressors? Do you have infections? Do you have different like sort of weird health stuff going on that, that added stress might actually make those things worse. And I think that's just a conversation that's not happening in the biohacking space, uh, especially around cold therapy and cold plunging, because with cold plunging, you just have this rush of endorphins and a huge like dopamine like like explosion. So you feel really great from a neuromodular standpoint, but is it actually right for you in that moment? I don't know. You know, it's really case by case dependent. So it's really good, I think, for blood sugar, there's some definitely some interesting stuff there. I think it's really good for mental health. I think it's really good for resilience and stuff like that. But that's only if you have capacity and you're not dealing with too many other stressors. So, you know, working out is a stressor. Sauna is a stressor. Cold plunge is a stressor. Kids. Kids is a stressor. <laughs> Work is a stressor. You know, emo- yeah. um, a re- relationships, trauma, you know, yeah. like there's like a lot of chemicals, like, yeah. like mold, like all these different things are all stressors. And People just got to be aware, like, hey, is this right for me right now? Yeah. Yeah. I like the Thank you. I, that's the first time I've ever heard someone make that point because um, there's so much hype about it. Uh, Wim Hof did a really good job of getting us all like in tune with how much we can modulate our own nervous system. And, and for that regard, like I experience every time I go in one... I feel like a badass because I can just shut off this like extreme level of uncomfort yes. <laughs> pain, right? Yes, yeah. I'm like, wow, look at me. But then it's true. Like my body's already really going through some challenging moments with diabetes and all that. Like yeah. uh, daily, my body's stressed. Yeah. Like adding another component, like is it helping or is it? To some degree, I see the benefit. I, I actually, I really need to check my sugars and see when, what happens yeah. while I'm in there. Yeah, I'll do that next. Um, but yeah, there is some component of my while I'm in there. I'm like, am I helping or am I hurting? Yeah, 
There is, uh, I do enjoy, like the last one I was in, um, I, I felt just the ability to calm my nervous system and that, that moment of practicing, like exhaling, putting all of my attention on my exhale. Yeah. And like it all, it, it was such a, an intense way to meditate. Yes. That I appreciated it for that. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about placebo too, of like, Hey, if I think this is doing really great stuff for me, then it really could be, you know? And, but there's also just science too. Yeah. Right. And, of just like, okay, like, yeah, if you have a virus, it could be like really detrimental because it might crush your immune system because your immune system is already crushed. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's just like feel it, you know, yeah. pay attention, like tune in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really simple test you guys can do. Uh, it's basically close your eyes, take a deep breath and focus on your torso, your stomach area and your heart. And as you exhale, ask the question, is is ice bath what my body needs? And you'll feel this crunching, almost like a contraction in your stomach if it's a no. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, that's the answer. And yeah. then if uh, it, it will be feel light and airy if it's a yes. Yeah. You can ask your body if those are the right sensations for your yes and no is what I meant. But yeah. Um, that's usually the, the result. You'll feel like this, like, almost like you got to poop. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it can be very subtle. Like it'll be, and it'll be instant. As soon as you ask a question, you'll feel like, like this mm. <laughs> yes. sense or like, no, it's light and airy. Well, this is good for me. Yeah. You can do it with coffee. You can do it with a lot of things. Yeah. I think it's also true just like, a, like building up to it too. So it's like, if you want to do it, maybe you start with 30 seconds. And you do that for like once a week for like a couple of weeks. And then like next week you do like a minute, you know, once a week. And then the next week you do like two minutes, you know. And so it's like, it's like you're just not jumping off the deep end, you know. You're, so, you're sort of like working your way up to that, right? I'm laughing because I'm Israeli. So it's like balls out or no balls yeah. at all. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like Love that. 30 seconds is the hardest part. Then yeah. you, you, you bypass the fun yeah, bit. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just. I think I like it. Yeah, yeah. It, it will work for some. For me, I'm like, uh, -uh, uh I'm in. Yeah. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're up to. You've done your 90 minutes of work. Yes. Then you go into the gym. Yes. And then you're eating after the gym. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, is there anything you do afternoon to prepare yourself for evening, or is that kind of all flows? Yeah, so I like to go for walks after I eat. Okay. So good. going for a ten to twenty minute walk after you eat will help with nutrient absorption, help with digestion, will help with blood sugar. Yes. Um, and just consistent having consistent energy throughout the day. Going for walks after you eat, fucking game changer. Yeah. You know, just it just it just works like nothing else I've ever done is that simple, and it just. It just works every time. Yep. So a lot of people, myself included, have afternoon dips after they eat lunch. Usually lunch is a bigger meal. You know, if you train, then you're having more carbohydrates like me. Um, and that is going to affect your blood sugar and your, your energy and stuff like that. So um, when you go for a walk, I've measured this with a CGM. It's just like you just watch your blood sugar come down really mm -hmm. gently yep. and really like at the right sort of pace. And... When you get home, you're also getting sun. You know, I live in a place that's very sunny, so I'm always with my shirt off, getting tons of sun, and that's also telling my body, like, hey, like, this is what time of day it is. It's, like, helping with that entrainment of the circadian rhythm. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, super important. I, I've been tracking, obviously, with diabetes. I've been tracking my blood sugars for 15 years now. And um, I, it's a, one of the biggest things I tell people is walk, at least in the evening after dinner. Because yeah. then you burn off the excess sugars, the excess fat, and it's it boosts your metabolism again a little bit, stimulates it so that you can digest that dinner f- more efficiently. Yeah. And um, massive help when it comes to sup- controlling my blood sugars. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because there's this really, really close relationship that blood sugar has with cortisol and mm-hmm. melatonin and just sleep in general. So it's like if you can get your blood sugar right, usually like you can get really good sleep. There's like this direct correlation that I found. It's like if you can... Yeah, if you have stable blood sugar, then you're probably going to sleep pretty good. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to bed at the right time and, you know, doing basic things. But um, a lot of times when people are having sleep issues and they're trying lots of stuff and it's not really working, I can usually connect it to some type of blood sugar dysregulation. I don't want to paint everyone with that brush, but I feel that is pretty true. A lot of people have metabolic dysfunction or blood sugar instability at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. One point I do want to make is that if your food is making you tired, you're not eating the right thing. Yeah, or you have some something going on with your gut. Possible, yes, also. Um, but food should give you energy. Yeah. And if it's that hard to digest, that it's making you exhausted, mm-hmm. or it's full of toxicity, mm-hmm. and it's exhausting you, or it's super high in sugar, and then you're crashing. Yeah. It, if you're exhausted after food, please take a look at what you're eating. For sure. It, it, it should be giving you energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dinner early is another one of the main keys I support my diabetic friends with is um, because what I've seen when I eat dinner at 8 p.m., uh-huh. guaranteed every single time my sugars will go up really high. They'll spike in the evening and then they'll drop in the middle of the night yeah. and then I'll wake up high. It's a roller coaster ride yeah. every single time. If I stop eating by seven, even ideally six, my blood sugars are flatlined. They're in perfect ranges throughout the night. Yeah. And I wake up in perfect fasting blood sugars. It's great. Every time. Yeah. Um, so there is definitely a process of like, your, first of all, your metabolism is slower, so you're going to digest the food slower, so then you're going to have a sugar craving, a sugar spike uh-huh. later yeah. when you're trying to sleep, and all of a sudden you've got bursts of sugar in your body, so you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Right? And so it, it, it has a massive effect on blood sugars. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things that I realized when I was first testing things is like as I moved my dinner earlier and earlier, I would wake up more and more refreshed and my sleep is just like, you know, I track everything I've been tracking for five years and it's, it's like literally no disturbances. Nice. Like zero. And to add, to layer on to what you're saying, it's like also, you know, and the previous conversation too about cold exposure is like what I notice is when I take cool showers yeah. before bed, um, it neutralizes my blood sugar. And I track that with a CGM so I can quantify it. And um, what happens is your nervous system, if you train yourself the right way, if you do cold exposure the right way and it's like appropriate for you, always like talk to a medical professional and see if that's appropriate for you, is um, your nervous system will get used to handling that stress. It will improve your cardiovascular system as well and your ability to like send blood flow to different parts of your body. But um, your HRV is going to go down at first, your heart rate variability, which is a measurement of the health of your nervous system. If it can go autonomic, or excuse me, if it can go parasympathetic to sympathetic and does that well, high HRV is good. So your HRV is going to go down, but then your HRV is going to start going up after a couple weeks. What that means is that your body's tolerating stress better and 
um, because it neutralizes your blood sugar, you're not going to have any disturbances throughout the night. So not only are you dealing with stress better and you're staying cool, but then also your blood sugar is going to be really consistent and really stable. So these three things in combination with having an early dinner time, powerful for sleep yeah, and free and super easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's like little things like this. And this is a hot take because the science says that if you do a hot shower, hot bath or sauna, you know, closer to bed, like two hours before bed, 90 minutes before bed, what happens is you'll get out of the hot shower, the sauna or the hot bath and your body will cool you down internally because your body's like a thermostat, right? Mm. So it's trying to get to like homeostasis. So your body's going to cool you down because you get out of this hot, you know, sauna or bath or whatever. My experience is that when I got in a hot bath or hot shower or sauna closer to bed, my blood sugar would go up. Mm. I watched this on my CGM. And I had a hard time cooling down. Even though I have a temperature controlled room, even though I have a eight sleep uh, mattress pod, which we can talk about as well. Um, and so what I realized, and this is anecdotal, this is what I've seen with my clients, my customers, and myself. So there's no scientific evidence to support this. This is just what I see and what I believe. And I you know, invite you to test it yourself, is when you do a cool shower, you'll see that neutral blood sugar, and you'll also sleep deeply throughout the night. That's, nice. that's what I think. Yeah. 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 I've been starting to incorporate that, and I, I'm glad you made the distinction. It's cool showers, not yeah. cold. Yes. You're not shocking your body. Yeah, because that will spike your cortisol, and that will wake you up. Thank right? you. Yeah. 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 I, and it feels good. It does. It's, it's actually quite nice. It is. <laughs> I agree. I love it. Okay. And then you like the, uh, the blue blockers? Big fan of blue blockers. Light timing, you know, is very important, like we talked about. So... When the sun goes down, not immediately when the sun goes down, but like two, 90 minutes to two hours before bed, I want to block all blue light. So all the lights in my house will go red and I'll put on blue light blockers because there's like little things on the stove and my nest, Google Nest, which like shines a blue light in the middle of the night, you know, so I put on my blue blockers 90 minutes to two hours before bed. This is so, so like, I think misunderstood because people will put on blue blockers like right when the sun goes down. But if you don't want to go to bed... Like and like within an hour of that, then you're really gonna mess yourself up. You're gonna wake up really early because you're telling your body, "Hey, it's time to start producing melatonin," and so that is directly like connected to the time that you produce cortisol in the morning. So the earlier you put on blue light blockers, the earlier you will wake up. So if you want to wake up earlier, something you can do to trick your brain is you can start putting on your blue light blockers earlier and earlier and earlier. If you want to wake up at your scheduled time you know, your normal time, then you want to do it 90 minutes to two hours before you go to sleep. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Also something I learned the hard way. Yeah. So I was, there was a period of time where I was putting on my blue blockers really early because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And then I was waking up at like five and I like, I'm up, like I cannot go back to sleep. And so like I was forcing myself to go to bed earlier and earlier and earlier. I didn't even realize it. Now that I've pushed my bedtime later, I put on my blue blockers later. So at like when, what time I put my blue blockers on usually around nine, nine 30 now because I go to bed at 11. Um, so that means I'll wake up at seven, seven 30, which is exactly the time I woke up this morning. Nice. I like inducing an earlier wake up though. Cause I like waking up at five. Yeah. If you want to, yeah. Then you can just put your blue blockers on earlier and build your evening routine in earlier. So what I teach when it comes to routines in, in, in the evening is that, um, using your senses to anchor, 
and stack those anchors on top of each other to trigger you to get ready for sleep. So using your smell, touch, taste, sight, and kinesthetic feeling to um, basically tell your body, hey, it's time to get ready for bed. So building a routine that uses these senses. So that could look like having an essential oil diffuser, then the red lights um, for visual. Then, um, you know, I take magnesium. So it's like uh, I'm putting, you know, something into my body, right? Then I take a cold shower, so I have that kinesthetic. I'm also doing dojo or meditation, right? Which is also kind of like a kinest dojo is more kinesthetic. But um, I stack these things, and they don't have to take a long time. Like turning on the lights, boom, it's a second. Turning on the diffuser, it's a second. Taking the magnesium, it's a second, right? But it's trigger, 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 trigger. Mm. And it's like a Pavlonian response where it's like every time the lights go red, every time I take a magnesium, every time I put my blue blockers on, it's telling my body, hey, this is a time to get ready for sleep. And that's why I tell people, it's like, yeah, like last night I was out and I didn't get home till 11. I went to bed at 11.30 and I fell asleep in half an hour after being out socializing and doing all this stuff. How is that possible? Because my environment is perfect and my anchors are really triggered yeah they're really really deep so when i do these things it's like my body's like oh i have to fall asleep um and when you can build that in it can become really consistent because it doesn't have to take a long time and that's where i think most people get their evening routines wrong is they try to do too much and try to make it into this big thing and that's anything that's not sustainable is something that's not going to work right it's not sustainable exactly (laughs) exactly um can you speak a little to the uh, concept of, I've heard once, that the, the hours before midnight count double? Yeah. Yeah. So ideally, I think the deepest sleep is going to happen before 1030. But the bulk of your deep sleep is going to happen in the first trimester of your sleep cycle. So there's three stages of your sleep cycle. And the first part of that is where the majority of the deep sleep happens. Okay. So there's deep sleep, there's light sleep, there's REM sleep. Um, from the things that I track, I know there's like, we could get like really deep and, and get in the weeds there, but just for layman's purposes, like deep, light, and REM sleep. Um, I always want to get deep sleep and REM sleep up. Deep sleep is where the body recovers. REM sleep is where the mind is recovering. And REM is also where you're going to have dreams and stuff like that. So the earlier you go to bed, the more deep sleep you'll get. Kind of nice rule of thumb right there. Cool. Yeah. I'm in bed at eight. That's great. Sometimes nine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I can sleep till seven. Really? I don't get out of bed. So I'm like spending a lot do you, of do you track? Do you track your sleep? Uh, no, but I, I, I would like to. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely encourage you to check, you know, get a tracker, yeah. whether it's the Whoop or the Aura Ring or something like that. And, and I'm waking up tired sometimes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, again, diabetes, my body takes, I think, needs more time to recover overnight. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have, uh, it's worth looking into the Ayurvedic clock and that shares like your different organs and when they're detoxing and, and also the spiritual element of like from four to 6 a.m. is when you can connect to spirit. So if you wake up in that time, that's why monks get up at 4 a.m. Yeah, and yeah. they meditate for sure. two hours. It's actually a a really good time your body naturally will connect and and can get messages and it can really clearly become a clear channel between you and spirit. I love that and I love waking up early. In fact, I was up a little bit earlier this morning and I because I had to take the trash out um, because usually one of the guys says that. So I was outside and I went for my walk and um, it was more quiet than normal and I was really enjoying it. And I used to be, I would go to bed at like nine o'clock too, 9.30. I wake up at like five, 5.30 and I love it 
but for this season of life, it doesn't make sense. Like mm. I'm really social right now. Like I'm dating, I'm doing all, like I'm spending a lot of time going out and like meeting people and stuff like that. So, um, the beautiful part about what I teach and what I talk about and, and what I want to share with you is that like you can choose what your circadian rhythm is and you can find what's right for your lifestyle. And at any point in time, you can change it by using these tools that we just talked about. So it's like, if you want to be a morning person, like I don't care what your um, chronotype is. Like I believe that you can really manufacture your own chronotype and you can influence it to be what you want. You might have a, a tendency to be more of a night owl. You might have a tendency to be more of a morning person. I used to be a night owl. And I completely switched that like a couple of years ago. And I was like the morning guy in bed by nine, just, you know, just really like on it like that. And it worked for me for a long time. And then my life changed. And now I realize like, okay, I need to do something different. And in order to be sustainable for me, I got to push my bedtime later. I got to push my bedtime or my wake up time later. And guess what? My sleep scores are still the same. I'm still getting three plus hours of deep sleep every night, hour and a half to two hours of REM sleep every night. And, um, and it's great. I feel good. You know, I rarely meet someone who's getting the quality of sleep that I'm getting. And I don't have to punish myself to get it, you know, which I, is really cool. It sounds like the key there is making it a routine. Yes. So if there is variability, your body's not going to, it, it, it yeah. really relies on just a schedule. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a lifestyle is what it is. It's yeah. a circadian rhythm lifestyle. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, and you know, something we haven't really talked about is like, I have to do a lot more than other people, you right. know, because of the mold. I had COVID long haul for like a year. It was Ooh. brutal, like autoimmune stuff, like a whole bunch of health issues. And so I get to be like way more committed and devoted to my rituals and my routines and, and, and for people that don't have any like chronic issues or any like infections or anything like that, like you can get away with a lot, you know, you, you do like 80, the 80, 20 of, of what I'm talking about and you'll be night and day ahead of everyone. Mm. Yeah. But no one, no one goes this hard and this deep, like, yeah. because they don't have to. But it's not but, that hard. What you've just said is three things. Red yeah. light, magnesium, and what was the third? I'm blank. I forget. Mm. I mean, it could be cold shower. Cold and then, shower. Yeah. I mean, those aren't yeah. hard things. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty easy. And yeah. some of those are, like, set and forget. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the cool the, house like you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. Any final thoughts? What, 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 yeah, actually, magnesium. Can you speak to yeah. that quality there that's yeah. important? So a lot of people hear that magnesium is really great for sleep. Um, oftentimes, people are taking... I'll, let me back up. Oftentimes, people are taking melatonin to help them with their sleep. Mm. In my eyes, this is a big no-no. This is a hormone, a very powerful hormone, a hormone to which we don't even know the extent of what all the sort of influences and factors that it's re uh, responsible for. So I don't want to mess with something exogenously, meaning outside. I don't want to, I don't want to mess with something like that. That's happening endogenously inside. Um, because my body is smarter than me. Mm. Right. So I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. Right. But most people are deficient in a mineral called magnesium, right? Because of two reasons. Number one, three reasons. Number one being most people have gut dysfunction mm. of some sort. So there's malabsorption of the food that they're eating. Number two is the nutrients that we're getting from our food are completely depleted because of the way that crops and, and animals and all that stuff are farmed. And then number three, most people don't have a diverse enough diet to actually get 
said nutrients from the nutrient deficient um, foods. Foods. Yeah. So most people, as a byproduct, are deficient in this mineral called magnesium. And so when people hear, "Hey, magnesium could be good for sleep," they go out and buy the magnesium at the store. But the problem with that is that not all magnesiums are created equal. Right? There's a magnesium uh, citrate and magnesium oxide. These are the most common forms of magnesium that are sold at stores and in supplements. These are BS magnesiums. They will help you poop, though. They will, but the reason why they help you poop, <laughs> the reason why they help you poop is because they're so shitty. Really? Yes, because your body can't, can't, can't absorb. <laughs> yes, pun intended. I'm punishing you right now. So they can't absorb it, so your body is like, let's get this out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's not bioavailable, like, nearly at all huh. right and so it's very low quality it's very low grade you don't like you don't know where it's coming from so there is a certain type of magnesium that's really good for sleep it's called magnesium glycinate right and this is bound to the amino acid glycine and glycine will make you tired it will help relax you make you ready for sleep this is really powerful but then there's a couple other forms of magnesium like magnesium taurate and magnesium 3 and 8. Magnesium taurate will also relax the body, the nervous system, and magnesium 3 and 8 will relax the mind. It can actually effectively cross the blood-brain barrier, which is one of the only magnesiums that can actually do that. Nice. So, so I personally take one that has all three. It's from Natural Stacks. It's called MagTech. They third-party test every single batch, and they have an open-source transparency policy so that you know where every ingredient is coming from. Fantastic. Yeah, so big fan of them. And um, when you take them, when you take those MagTech, you'll have crazy dreams. Wow. Crazy, crazy dreams. Really? You, I noticed my REM scores go up, um, but I believe it's because of the three and eight can pass the blood-brain barrier. So I think that's why you have such such crazy dreams. Crazy as in like crazy or like vivid? Vivid and intense. Okay. Right? So like they're very like you're in it, you know, yeah. you're really in it. Wow. So you got to be mindful of your thoughts before you go to sleep or have happy thoughts. Yeah. As you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wayne Dyer talked about this a lot. The last five minutes before you go to bed is when your your subconscious will then tap in and yeah. connect to a greater consciousness, and you can uh, call in what you're last thinking of. And so, if you're going to bed worried yeah. about all the things that will go wrong, um, you can actually call more of that in, and you're gonna have an interesting day the next day. Or you can take control, and you can really focus your attention on what, all the magic that you want to create and what's possible. And um, your brain and your subconscious will go to work overnight to call that in for you and to to, to make the connections to mm -hmm. really that we're we're so much more powerful than we're taught. It's mm. amazing. Um, and yeah, so you, the last five minutes, spend that focusing on what you want to create. Maybe listen to your audio again. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good time for yeah. it, probably. Couple, I'll, I'll add a couple things to that that I think is really, really powerful, which is um, two things. So there was this, I remember, I think it was Vishen Lakhiani from Mind Valley was telling yeah. me this story. It was like, um, he went to 40 Years of Zen, which is like this place that Dave Asprey made where you get connected to all these electrodes and you do like crazy neurofeedback. And the idea is basically you go there for like a week and you can get into the same brainwave state that like monks who have been meditating for 40 years only can achieve, right? So they brought in this woman when they're like experimenting, testing these things, and she's doing this. She gets in the pod, connected to the electrodes, and she does this, um, starts meditating, and she drops into this state that the monks are at like almost instantly, and she stays there for a very extended period of time. And when she gets out, the scientists and the researchers come up to her and like, what are you doing? Like how, like what type of meditation was that? Like, the, like what, what was happening? And she's just like, oh, I wasn't meditating. 
I was just trying to forgive my fucking husband for cheating on me. And that's the distinction is the power of forgiveness wow. will put you into that crazy brainwave state. And so something that I haven't been doing recently, but I used to do a lot is before bed, I would do gentle nose, nose breathing. Cause no, if you do longer exhales out of your nose than inhales, that'll shift your body into a parasympathetic state, right? It tells your nervous system, Hey, time to rest and digest, which will get you really, really primed for sleep. So I would do gentle nose, nose breathing in through the nose four, out through the nose six. And then I would just do some forgiveness of like forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of my, of the people that are in my life, forgiveness of someone who wronged me, you know, like just whoever I could think of or whatever I could think of, let's forgive. And when you do that, boom, out, lights out, like you're gone really, really wow. quickly, really, really quickly. So that's one hack, right? I love that. A couple, couple other hacks here for you to fall please, asleep please. really fast. There's another method called the 478 technique. And this is what people in the military use to be able to fall asleep in two minutes. So basically you breathe in through your nose four, right? Then hold for seven, then out for eight. Okay. You do this like 10, 20 times, you're done. You're, <laughs> you're just out. Okay. Yeah. Really quick. The other thing that I do, sometimes when my mind is racing, you know, I'm not perfect. Like, I'm, I'm not some Zen monk dude. Like, I got problems. I got stresses, <laughs> you know, like, even though my sleep's good, right? And um, something that I do, and I don't know where I got this from, but it just works, is I'll be laying down. I notice my mind is racing, and I'll slow down my breath, kind of just like I shared. Maybe not necessarily in any particular pattern or account, but I'll just make sure to go nose-nose and slow it down. And I'll just repeat to myself, sleep, 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 sleep. And I'll slow down like what I'm saying to myself in my head. And then I'm out. Wow. I'm just telling my body what to do and it listens. Apparently just listening to my voice on a podcast, but some people <laughs> Yeah, so that's another hack. Is you can just, you you just, just turn, to me. turn on Dr. Nikki's podcast and... <laughs> Yeah, we get to go. Oh, what a treat. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. That was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. Wow. How? What's the best way people can get a hold of you? YouTube, youtube.com slash Kyle Got Camera or on Instagram, Kyle Got Camera. Yeah, Kyle Got Camera everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You, it's awesome, you guys. Definitely tune into that YouTube channel. I, I had fun with it this morning. It was brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're really good. Yay, thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you guys for tuning in. 